Hey friends, thanks for joining us. This is Derek Webb. Uh, I'm here with Josh Scott. We both um, work at, are associated with Grace Point Church here in Nashville. Josh is the pastor. Um, and I, I sit next to Josh sometimes. I think that's my job. <laughs> um, and uh, as the director of, uh, or the uh, curation and content, whatever that means, that means we just get to talk a lot about things we think are important and hopefully help you out. And uh, this is another episode of the What About Outtakes. And uh, What About is a series that um, Josh has done and is doing and will probably continue to do in the future, um, r- tackling big questions from a progressive Christian perspective. And um, if you have not heard it, if you're not aware of it, go straight over to Grace Point's YouTube, Grace Point with an E, and, um, and just drop right down the rabbit hole of all of the sermons that Josh has done in the What About series. They were incredible. And so this is an opportunity for you to get uh, quicker answers to other questions that did not get addressed or that maybe came through social media um, or maybe something that Josh said um, online that you'd love to hear a little bit more about. That's what this is for. So um, we're grateful that you're here listening. We're, we're so grateful you'd spend a few minutes with us. And if you'd like, you can get on any of Grace Point's social media or Josh uh, Josh's social media and um, fire questions for the What About um, outtakes. And uh, Josh will address those in future episodes. Um, hi, Josh. Hi. Um, and so uh, here we are again. And I have another question for you. Uh, this one, like all of these, I'm, I am interested to hear your response to. Uh, give it your best shot to it in five or 10 minutes. I feel like I should have, we should have a little timer that's taking the whole, or like, like uh, the Jeopardy music or something, and everyone can hear how much time you have left. And the recording just shuts off and it, at a certain time. It's like, at a certain point, like mid-thought. Um, do you believe in miracles? Now I'm just, that song is in my head. I believe in miracles. I know, I feel I could go grab a guitar, but I won't. Um, so, Because you know, the Bible has a lot of uh, stories that seem to have miraculous things in them. Yeah. I would love to hear, yeah, that your perspective on, like, what do we think about that? What's the, what's the progressive Christian approach to, like, what about all this miraculous stuff? Is that literal? How do we approach it? How do you think about it? Yeah, so I'll say, I'll give you my progressive mm. Christian approach. Um, and there's a part of me that, to just say no, in some ways you're shutting yourself off from mystery and wonder and, hey, sometimes things happen, we can't explain them, and, and I want to leave space for all that. Mm. I do think that um, the obsession with the miraculous, and I, I'll, I'll never will forget a friend of mine going to one of those Jesus passion plays around Easter, mm. and he said that he watched this whole, it was like two or three hours long. Um, wow. He got like fake blood on during the crucifixion scene. It was a whole thing. It's like me in a SeaWorld. <laughs> it's, it's like the, the Christian version of SeaWorld. Uh, but he said that he realized after, afterward that the whole play was just one scene of Jesus doing a miracle after another. And then there was mm. the crucifixion. Yeah. And he said, so the whole story didn't make sense. It's like this guy got killed for doing miracles. And then if you take the miraculous out, if you say that they're not literal— um, then you've created a whole other problem then, right. right? Because the entire faith, like for some folks, their entire faith rests on unexplainable things happening and we can explain them because God did it. Right. So just to kind of put some cards on the table, um, my approach would be to say, I, I, I don't really think that the miraculous stories in the Bible are to be taken literally. 
um, especially in the New Testament with Jesus, I think those are signs and like John specifically mm. calls them signs and wonders. And what does what does a sign do? It points. Right. And what does wonder do? It should inspire us. Right. It should cause us to to feel like like wow, <laughs> right? Like something's happening here. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we you know when you look at the stories of the miraculous in the New Testament with Jesus. Those stories are trying to point to something beyond. And I think the problem is we see them as, look, what, is this, what are the signs? Well, they're just, Jesus can do cool things and it's pointing to the cool things Jesus can do. Um, so I would say like, I do think Jesus though, I'll caveat to this. I do think Jesus was known as a healer mm. in his lifetime. Um, lots of Jesus scholars, Marcus Borg being one of them will say, I don't know what, necessarily know what that means, but Jesus was, known as a healer. Now, I would go so far as to say, I think that the way Jesus performed healing in the New Testament in, in the first century was social, not physical. Mm. So I don't know that Jesus ever cleansed a leper, but I do think that the, the miraculous was Jesus embracing those who had been um, marginalized and pushed out because of their condition. Mm. And Jesus brought them close. I think Jesus found people who were known as unclean ritually impure people who were marginalized and pushed outside and he embraced them and brought them into the community and they had a place there. Mm. And so I, I do think that those sorts of things were happening, right? Jesus was bringing healing to people's lives and to their communities, regardless of what happened with the physical. Yeah, and um, disrupting um, those types of social conventions, especially in that part of the world and at that time, would have gotten him into way more trouble than healing someone's sores off their body. I mean, like the real shot across the bow of the powers at that time would have been the social healing you're talking about. Much more so. That explains the anger towards him much more so than here's a guy yeah. doing really great things for people. Let's kill him. <laughs> you know, like that, <laughs> Actually, that story you, you, doesn't make as much sense. You, you get that guy's own place and you book appointments and you just keep bringing people to him. Right. Right. It's the disrupt, disruption of the social order is I think the entire thing that got Jesus in trouble. And I think that functioned lots of ways. I think he led a religious movement, but I think he also led an economic movement that was ca- that was essentially demanding a different way of carving up the world's resources. I think he led a political movement. And I think all of that was disrupting societal order. Right. Um, and which is why I think very early on in what we call Christian, what they probably wouldn't have used that language for, early on in the, the Jesus movement, um, after his life, after sort of that first generation, we begin to see people kind of hedging on that a little bit, mm. right? I mean, there are letters, the, the pastoral epistles, which were written in Paul's name, but again, not written by Paul, um, written maybe in the early second century, who are saying, yeah, yeah, we, we had this movement that was radically equal um, between men and women. Women were leading and teaching and and doing all those things, but it's starting to get us the wrong kind of attention. So women, if you have a question, ask it at home. We need to make sure. And so early on, it was such a radical movement. Early on, they start. And by the time we end up with mm-hmm. what we have today, um, the bulk of the Christian tradition believes in the this complementarianism garbage and that somehow, you know, patriarchy and they end up defending terrible, terrible, terrible mm-hmm. things when actually the initial movement was so radical. And so I think, yes, the social part of it is what landed Jesus in hot water. Mm. I also get, um, like I remember a few years ago, there was this article um, floating around that was like, they had uncovered this eyewitness 
this like Greek or Roman writer who was an eyewitness to one of Jesus' miracles. Like it, was, it was not written about in the New Testament, but they uncovered a document where this person was like, I went into this village and this man named Jesus came and he healed this person. And people were sharing it like mm. wildfire. And I, I just went and did a little research. And it was very clear, like, if you just click two things, like, this is a fabricated. And I saw a friend post it. And I was like, hey, look, I, I private message, like, this is not real. Mm-hmm. And, and you could just, in his response to me, you could sense the grief around that. Right. Because he wanted it to be real. Mm-hmm. I want, I, I would love for that to be real. And, and if it is, I'm happy to be proven wrong. Sure. I just think the when we when we sit down and our obsession is whether these things literally happen or not, we miss the meaning, and we miss the power, and we miss the claim right. that they're making. And that's what you're saying. Like signs, you're not supposed to sit there and stare at a stop sign and worship it and stare at it. You're, you're supposed to see what it's trying to tell you or yeah. like a thing that says, take this road, take that road, be careful of the... You're not supposed to obsess on the sign. You're supposed to look at the sign, get information from it, and then... Do what the do sign what it, says. The sign says, yeah. you know, like, um, yeah, and that, and and I, and I, I've heard uh, John Shelby Spong, one of our uh, both of our favorite writers, um, say that that the way he sees it, it's like it was people. A lot of the times, maybe with some of those miracles, it was people using the language that they had to talk about how they felt about being with Jesus, how who he was, how they, how he made them feel. And there's a point where it just crosses into like they had to use language, get up into miraculous language, get up into language of supernatural language in order to communicate what it was like to be with him and how the effect that he was having on them at that time. Yep. And, and that even could come in as part of, yeah. you know, the, that language that we find. Like saying, I, I thought I could see. And then I met Jesus. And I found out that all along I couldn't see. I was literally blind. But he helped me see. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought this is what it meant to be human. I thought this is what it meant to love God. I thought this is who God was. This is who God embraces. This is who God excludes. Mm-hmm. I thought this is how it worked. And then I met this Jesus, and I realized that I was not seeing clearly. And, uh, it, and I remember, you know, um, when our oldest, we finally realized he needed glasses. <laughs> Um, because he never said anything. And when we finally realized he needed glasses, like when he first put them on, he was like, whoa, <laughs> this is how it's supposed to look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that's the, you know, but the, the sad thing and the problem is that for a long, long time now, the job of the quote unquote church has been to disseminate doctrine. Right. Not to lead people to experience. The bodyguard of belief a little bit. Yeah, there, there's a difference in giving people information and in, in, in creating space for experience so that you know, I just think about the story in John 9 where the, the, uh, Jesus has healed a man who's blind from birth mm-hmm. and he's being, this man is being grilled about who was this person? Tell, me, tell us what he did. Tell right. us, and they actually say, like, tell us the truth. We know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And I love the guy's response. He's like, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. Here's what I know. I once was blind, hmm. but now I see. And I think that maybe the thing we should have been helping people realize, like what we actually want to do is bear witness, not disseminate doctrine. Right. Doctrine has zero transformative power. Oh, I believe some things that have no impact on my life. Or I believe some things, and they're actually making me a better person, a worse person. Right. Because now I believe everybody who doesn't believe the things the way I believe them is exclu- excluded. Right. 
as opposed to saying, have you, have, like, here, here's what Jesus taught. Here's how Jesus invited us to live. Mm. What's that do for you? Mm. How does that change your life? How does that make you a better person? How does that change the way you spend your money? The way you, how does that change who you exclude? Because suddenly you're realizing that every time that there's somebody to exclude, it seems like Jesus is just making the table bigger and the circle mm. wider. Um, and I think miracles are intended to draw our attention to that. Right. And yet we sit around arguing about whether or not they happen. And I love, you know, again, Marcus Borg would just say, believe whatever you want about whether miracles happened or not. Mm. Now let's talk about what they mean. Right. Be- because the truth is, I can't prove that they aren't literal, just like somebody, you know, can't prove that they are. Yep. But what we can do is wrestle with what are these signs, wonders, mm. what is the miraculous mean for us? Because it seems like it's always tied to a metaphor. And what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do like with it? Like you said, how is it going to change who we welcome, how we see the world, how we interact yeah. with, yeah. And then how are we going to go and continue to make the miraculous happen in the world? Mm. Again, I'm not, when I say that, I'm not thinking like, ooh. I, I'm, the suspension of the natural law. Right. But, I'm thinking, I mean, in John's gospel, which is geared around these signs, seven of them, there's actually this line where Jesus says to his disciples, you're going to do greater things than you've seen me do. And I, I just imagine, of course, you know, again, John is a, a pretty non-literal gospel, but mm-hmm. if you allow yourself just to get immersed in the story for a minute, it's sort of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You turned water into really good wine. You walked on water, you fed 5,000, you opened the eyes of the blind, you gave somebody who could not walk the ability to walk. You literally raised, metaphorically raised the dead. <laughs> What are we going to do to top that? Mm. And that, that to me is an invitation to, oh, there's, the world still has problems. The world still has need. And so we get to go be miracle workers. And bear witness to it, as you and, said. And bear witness to it. Yeah. And I think I am more interested, which sounds like an old school churchy term, mm. but it's not anything I was ever taught about. It, it was sort of like, here are the things you must believe to be included. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And in, in that John 9 story, that's essentially what they're doing. Like, tell us this and we'll include you. Well, I can't tell you the doctrinal points. I can just tell you what I've, what I've experienced. Right. Now, the problem is, is that experience is dangerous. <laughs> and I think that's why the large branches of the church have not validated experience as being a meaningful way people Hmm. experience the divine because experience is beyond the control of the institution Mm -hmm. and the institution needs to control you. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to have experiences, the institution needs to determine that they happen in a really dark room with a fog machine and these, these lyrics that are approved, um, right. As opposed to, no, no, we we just want to, we actually, our job, my my job, I think one of my jobs as a pastor is to help people um, get their antennas pointed so that then they can experience their own journey. Mm-hmm. Not the journey I want them to take, not the doctrine I want them to believe, but their own experiences. Um, and I, I think sadly we haven't done that, but I think that that's, that we, we, we'd rather argue about miracles instead of going and being miracle workers. <laughs>